just bless him begin to praise him begin to adore him magnify him glorify him like david we say bless the lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name bless the lord oh my soul and forget not all of his benefits i will bless the lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth my soul shall make a boast in the lord oh magnify the lord with me let us exalt his name together for it is he that has made us and not we ourselves we are his people and the sheep of his pasture father we praise and bless and honor we glorify and adore the name of jesus father we praise hallelujah thank you lord in jesus precious name heavenly father we rejoice that this morning we have access into the riches of redemption the unsearchable riches of your grace thank you that you are at work in our hearts at work in our minds you are at work within us you are at work amongst us thank you that there's a stirring of the holy ghost in our hearts and we rejoice that you're working in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure as it regards causing us to walk in the plan and in the will and in the purpose that you designed for our lives before the world began. So we rejoice that this morning, oh God, an army rising all over the face of the earth, preaching this gospel like never before. And we thank you for unlimited answers to prayer. We give you praise and glory this morning in Jesus' precious name. And every believer sees it powerfully. Amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our feet together. As we say these words, I am born of God. I am born of the world. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, and every believer says a powerful amen. We want to welcome everybody connected to this service by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all of the social media community, our brothers and sisters online. We're so glad to welcome all of you to the service this morning, guys. Get ready. We're going to have an exciting time of studying the word of His grace. We also want to welcome the Aquaibom State community connected to this service on all the various radio stations. We're so glad to have all of you in the service this morning. Help me call a friend, a family member, a loved one. Ask them to tune to this radio station right now. Life is full through the airwaves our social media community we have the world to reach with the gospel of christ in a hurry help us share the video tag some people put them on all the platforms that you belong to join as many groups as possible let's get the word to the ends of the earth we also want to welcome all our campuses around the world in the different nations of the earth. We're so glad to welcome all of you power citizens around the world. We love you. We're glad to have all of you in the service this morning. Guys, get ready. We're going to adventure together in revelation knowledge. Is there anybody in the house excited to be in church this morning? Well, if you're excited to be in church this morning, can we celebrate our fellowship with a shout? Glory! Amen. Grab your pen, your notebook, your Bible. You can be seated with your sweet, smart self. And if you have your phones with you, 
God get them quickly and share the videos of this service. Let's get the word to the ends of the earth. Amen. <clears throat> that was some fire in the service this morning, man. Yeah, that was some fire in the atmosphere. Yeah, glory to God. That was really good. Amen. Praise God. Well, good to be back home. We had a short trip and, uh, you know, um, uh, I, I just decided to take a break after all of those 40 days and all of those period of preaching and teaching and just catch a little bit of my breath and just rest a bit. And um, it's possible because we have faithful men in the house. You know, we are faithful men. So because we are faithful men, from time to time we can afford to just dash out a bit, catch a bit of our breath and then come back to continue with the walk. Uh, are you with me? You know, and... Um, you know, one of the first support systems I want to thank God for is my wife and my family. You know, they support me very seriously. They give me all the support. They give me all the encouragement. They give me all the love. And they make sure I am fit to do this work. You know, and I truly want to honor my wife. And I'm glad she's not even here. It's good. You know, I want to honor her and honor the girls for their support and encouragement and standing with me to make it easy for me to do this work. Amen. And I want to thank uh, Pastor Praise. Pastor Praise is such a gift and a blessing. We honor you, man. We thank God for you, you know, and your family and all that you do and all the leaders and pastors of this church and every worker in this church. And I also want to honor all our campus coordinators in the various campuses around the world for supporting and standing with us to get this gospel to keep going around the world, fulfilling the vision of reintroducing Jesus to this generation, equipping the believer to know who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, and what Christ can do through you. That's what drives us, that's what keeps us going, and it's just a joy and an honor to be able to get this word. Can I have a good amen? All right, so we started two weeks ago, we started examining the laborer and the harvest, and I want to continue from where we stopped on the laborer and the harvest. We are examining the call to the ministry, or the call of ministry. Today we're going to be really looking at the call to ministry. The call of God to ministry. Our ministry represents a ministerial training ministry. And we influence a lot of ministers around the world. We train, we equip, we help people to fulfill the purpose, the plan, and the will of God for their life as a ministry. And to do the works of Jesus on the earth today. Our ministry is not for sidesteppers. It's for men who know that they have a call of God to do ministry. That's what our ministry is about. And I've mentioned that before. So a man ought to know whether he's in the right place. And that's why it's important from time to time. I remind you what our ministry stands for. And what our ministry represents. We are a ministry that raises men to do the work of ministry. We are a ministry that is very dogged about sound Bible teaching. We are a Bible teaching church. We are not a church that motivates and helps people to you know, um, achieve earthly things. We are a church that is spiritually minded. We are a church that is spiritually driven. We are a church that is driven to fulfill an assignment that Jesus left for us. The great commission, evangelism, and raising disciples all over the nations of the earth. So we're going to be examining the call to the ministry. What we're doing here is simply training. Simply training. That's what we're doing. To train you in the place of prayer. Because there is a training of the spirit of God. If you don't have that training, you don't have it. You can't fake it. What you don't have, you don't have. 
If you don't have that training, you don't have it. You cannot fake that training. You know, Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. Uh, the man, brother Paul, trained Timothy very well. And he said to Timothy, The thing that I was heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall in turn commit to others. You know, he knew he could commit the things he has handed over to Timothy to faithful men. The man followed him. Brother Paul says that man Timothy patterned after his life. There is a training of the Spirit of God such that men like Peter, James, and John in Matthew chapter 17 and Matthew chapter 26, you know, they gave themselves to prayer. They were the same folks in Luke chapter 17 who said to Jesus, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And on the only occasion when he said, pray with me, they lost it and they began to sleep because they were not trained. There is a training if you don't have, when the time comes for you to be responsible, you fail. When the time comes for you to take up responsibility, you buckle under because there's a training you cannot fake. You can't buy it in the shop. It's a training you cannot wish. It's a training you have to have. A training in prayer, a training in the ministry of teaching and preaching, a training that brings you to a place where you give yourself to developing capacity and perseverance. When it comes to doing the work of God and doing the work of ministry. If you don't have that training, you don't have it. So if you are dodging and dodging and dodging, a day will come when you will be tested. And when the day of test comes, you will buckle. You will be embarrassed. Shame will overtake you because you cannot dodge training. If you are not trained, you are not trained. And a man that is not trained cannot reign. It is training that makes people reign. So you are trained to reign. The training was available, but the men refused to be trained. They were always with Jesus, and Jesus was always praying. And it was in their place to practically pray. It's not about teach us to pray. It's about, we want to pray with you. It's not just a lecture. There's a practice. It's teaching and practice that makes it training. Teaching and practice. It is in the practice that the discipline is driven into your system. That is where men are made. There is a making that you cannot escape. There is a making you cannot shy away from. It's called training in righteousness. But of course, over time, the same man, Peter, who ran away from prayer in Acts chapter 6, when there was an issue of sharing food, he said, we will not leave the word of God and serve tables, but we will give ourselves to the ministry of the word and prayer. So by this time, training had become a part of Peter and the rest. And he knew that prayer was a priority. He knew that the ministry of the word was a priority. You cannot do ministry without giving yourself to prayer and to the ministry of the world. This man was a man who ran from prayer, but now he came back fresh, fired up by the Spirit of God because he gave himself to training. He knew his priority. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the world. A version said steadfastly. We will give ourselves steadfastly to prayer. 
It is something you do without stopping. Prayer and the ministry of, you do without stopping. The man who now had the training of the spirit was not afraid to pray. The same man who ran away from a damsel. The lady said you were with Jesus. I saw you with him. He said I swear I don't know him at all. That same man stood in Acts chapter 4 and said, You men of Galilee, men and brethren, hear this. This same Jesus whom you killed, God has raised from the dead. They flogged them and the man said, We would rather obey God than men. Because training has entered him. His system has been trained. Training is not pleasant. The Bible tells us, No training of the present seems pleasant. But afterwards... The benefit of training is not when the training is happening. The benefit of training is after the training. Sometimes when you're undergoing training, your flesh reacts. Your body reacts. When prayer stretches beyond 30 minutes to 45 minutes, you begin to hear your body reacting. What is it? What is it? Why are we praying like this? Are we the saviors of the world? What is it? Your body is reacting because your body is not used to it. It is in your place to tell your body, shut up and settle down. This is what we must do now. Because training will produce fruits afterwards. 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 Are we together here? So we are training you here to stand and pray for hours. We are training you in this church to stand and teach the word of God without compromise. We are training you in this church to be a, a, a rugged, resilient minister of the gospel of Christ. We labor in the place of prayer because that is the work of ministry. So understand what is going on in your life as a member of this church because it's important you know what is going on in your life. This is your time to learn to pray. This is your time to learn to interpret scriptures. This is your time to learn to understand scriptures. This is your time to learn to communicate the same. This is your time to learn to get to somebody for the first time, preach the gospel, get him born again, raise him up, disciple him. And you experience disappointments. You evangelize to 50 people. They promise you they are ready to follow Jesus. By the following week, you don't see any of them. And you still go back. In the process of that, a resilience a discipline is developed inside you a never giving up resilience all of that is part of training all of that is part of training you preach to somebody you gave all your best and when you have poured all your life thinking that this person has understood everything you've taught him he turns out to be a disappointment to you and then instead of giving up you go on again because there's a training that is going on in your spirit a training that is going on in your character a training that is going on in your attitude a training that is going on in your disposition towards men towards disappointment towards failure towards things that are not friendly there's a training going up that makes you a tough man where you can say like brother paul as a good soldier of jesus christ endure hardship there's a training you cannot fake if you don't have it you don't have it if you don't have it, you cannot pretend to have it. it. If it is there, it is there. And when it is tested, it will show up. Am I communicating at all? Please, this is very important. You need to know what's happening to you at this time in this church so you can give yourself to it fully and enjoy the full benefits of what is going on. <clears throat> you know, this man 
Peter was not bold. But the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 4 verse 13. Put it up for me. Acts chapter 4 verse number 13. Acts of the Apostles. Now when they saw the boldness. Somebody say boldness. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They were not learned. They were ignorant people. But they were bold. They marveled. And they took knowledge of them. That they had been with Jesus. They knew that these guys have been trained by the best. These guys have been exposed to Jesus' life and ministry. And they can see a replica of Jesus' life and ministry on them. They could see the fruit of ministry. Because the fruit of ministry are men. The men that are produced. Somebody is arguing with me somewhere and I said to him, Look brother, don't argue with me too much. Just look at my fruits. Look all over the world. See men and women rising in the gospel. See disciples multiplying all over the globe. I must be doing something that is right. So don't be talking too much. Calm down. Ask yourself. This argument you are arguing with me, how many people has it produced? For me, you can look at my fruits all over the earth. What I'm preaching is bearing fruits. And if it's bearing fruit, it means God is in it. Am I talking to somebody here? The proof of ministry is men are raised. Disciples are multiplied. All over the nations of the earth. So brethren, it's important to know that in training, a man becomes cultured. You become cultured and disciplined. And then you are now given to ministry. When you don't have it, you don't have it. We labor in prayer. We labor in ministry. So training is not punishment. Training is not manipulation. Training is not control over your life. Training is the spirit of God building you up to do what he has called you to do. Training is the spirit of God building you up to do what he has called you to do. Sometimes it may feel like discipline. Sometimes it may feel like control, like somebody just controlling your time, controlling your life. No, it is not control. It is not manipulation. It is the spirit of God building you up to do what he has called you to do. No preacher can be successful without a serious prayer life. That's why in this ministry we place a premium on prayer. Every day we have people praying all the time. And you must see it as part of what the Spirit of God is doing upon your life. So you must see the training orchestrated by the Spirit of God. You must see that this training that we're going through as a ministry, as a church, in the various campuses in this house here, you must see it as an orchestration of the Spirit of God. You must see that it's the Spirit of God walking in your life, building you up and preparing you for the days ahead, the months ahead, and the years ahead. You know, Brother Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. That's part of training. Part of training. And the intensity of Jesus' prayer life. You know, Jesus started with prayer. We used to sing a, a song back in the days. Prayer is the key. Prayer is the key. Prayer is the master key. Jesus started with prayer and ended with prayer. Prayer is the master key. That song is, cannot, can be, cannot be more true than it is. Prayer is the master key. 
Jesus prayed all night, prayed all day, always, he was always praying. I thought Jesus is God, why will he be praying? I thought prayer was given so that we can use it to be getting things from God. But what does Jesus need? Yet he prayed, because prayer is a device. It's a device where you fellowship with God, where the immortal influences your mortality and causes you to operate in the realm of immortality. Where you ask, where you step up into the realm of the miraculous. Where you step up into the realm where power is made available to do the impossible. That's what prayer is. Prayer is God's divine wisdom to enable the mortal man operate in the realm of immortality. Prayer cannot be over overemphasized. Prayer is critical. To have successful evangelism and raising disciples, prayer is the master key. Matthew chapter 9 verse 37. Matthew chapter 9 verse 37. We're looking at the call to ministry under the laborer and the harvest. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Next verse. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. The harvest is about lives of men who are wandering like sheep without shepherd. The harvest is about the people who need men to labor amongst them. Preach the gospel to them. And establish them in the same. That's the harvest. Maybe I should remind you what the harvest is. The harvest refers to men. Number one, men without direction is a harvest. Men without direction is a harvest. Men living in sin is a harvest. Sick men diseased men are a harvest men ignorant of the depth of redemption is a harvest men that lack the knowledge of god's word is a harvest when you see nations that are bound with idolatry that nation is a harvest cities and towns given over to religion and the practice of legalism is a harvest Men and brethren giving over to the money gospel. To the money gospel. That is a harvest. Financial gospel. Gospel that breeds covetousness and greed. When you see people that are sold out to that, that slant of the gospel. Those people are a harvest. The harvest is plenty. But the laborers are few. What is needed for the harvest? Laborers. Laborers. The word egatis in the Greek. Egatis. Men that will toil around these people. Men that will toil around these people. And see to it that the job is done. Let me show you a typical example of a laborer. First Corinthians chapter 9 verse 16. First Corinthians chapter 9 verse number 16. For though, brother Paul, I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Look at verse 17 of the same chapter. Verse 17. 
He now says, for if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. If I'm preaching and evangelizing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have to preach, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. That is whether I like it or not, I must preach. It is no more left to whether I want to. It's no more left to whether do am I happy about it. No. If I do it willingly, there's a reward. But even if I don't want to do it willingly, it is a responsibility given to me. So whichever way, I must preach the gospel. I'm in the building. Whichever way, I must preach the gospel. That is, your disobedience does not negate your responsibility. The fact that you don't want to do it does not change the fact that that is what must be done. Choosing not to do it does not invalidate it. The truth is, many have learned the word of God in a very wrong way. That's a problem. Many have learned the word of God in a very, very wrong way. Maybe you don't know that there are men who refuse to obey the call of God. And they have lost their lives. Maybe you don't know. There are men that have refused to answer the call. They have refused to obey the call of God. And they have lost their lives. Oh yes. They have lost their lives. You heard me very well. They refuse to obey the call of God. Maybe you don't know. That there are men who chose to refuse the call of God. And everything is wrong with their lives. Their life is in total chaos. Today they are up, tomorrow they are down. Those are symptoms of living in disobedience. They have refused to obey and for every disobedience there are consequences. You can disobey, that is your will. But you do not control the outcome of that choice to disobey. That is why many have disobeyed the call of God upon their lives and their life is a shadow of itself. Paul said, whether I like it or not, it is already something I must do. And if I refuse to do it, it's a dispensation committed to me. So whichever way, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Am I communicating at all? Yeah, there are people that have disobeyed the call of God and their life has never been the same. Please pay attention. This is very important. When you are out of the will of God, it can be disastrous. A man that is living out of the will of God for his life, it can be disastrous. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. First Samuel 15, 22. Put it up. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. <clears throat> First Samuel. And Samuel said, Had the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. There's no amount of offering you can give to replace disobedience. There's no amount of sacrifice you can give to replace disobedience. That's why disobedience has dire consequences. You cannot disobey and have a proper life. You cannot live in disobedience and have a maximum life. You cannot live in disobedience and have a fulfilled life. It is obeying God that brings fulfillment to a man's life. Please pay attention. A man must obey. 
The Bible tells us that the way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the rebellious, the way of a disobedient man is hard. You see a man going through life as if he's the only one that life has caused. Everything is against him because he is not in alignment with the plan of God for his life. He has fallen out of God's purpose for his life. So he is going through the hard places of life. Why? Because obeying God simply situates you in the plan of God. Where God goes before you. Makes the crooked path straight. He goes before you. Brings down the mountain. He goes before you. Exalts the valley. All you do is just have an adventure walking with God. But when you refuse to walk with the plan of God for your life. When you refuse to answer the call of God for your life. You will go through the patch places of the earth. Laborious life. I'm not saying you will not make money. You will make money but you will not be happy with it. Because money does not produce happiness. Money does not produce fulfillment. Yes, money can buy you a Bentley. Yes, money can buy you a private jet. But a private jet does not result in fulfillment. There are people with private jets depressed in the jets. So, nothing can replace a man that is on course with the plan of God. The call of God for his own life. The laborers are few. The laborers are few. And God's plan is to release laborers. Am I communicating at all? Please stay with me. To obey is better than sacrifice. That is the truth. When you live in disobedience, life will be hard. Coconut is soft. When you are living in disobedience, ayadaba, ayadaba, ayadaba. When you are living a life of disobedience, you've been commissioned by God. To preach the gospel. And you refuse to preach the gospel. Hey, Abada. The way of the transgressor is hard. Somebody say, are you threatening us? If that is the way it is coming. Yes, it's a threat. If you refuse to obey the call of God for your life. Ayadaba. The other side of life is waiting for you. I'm very serious. I'm very serious. Just get ready for me today. First Corinthians chapter 9 verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 18. <clears throat> what is my reward then? Remember he has already told you. Whether I preach or I do not preach. There is a dispensation. And woe is me if I preach not the gospel. But if I preach willingly. There is a reward. Then he now says what is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel. I may make the gospel of Christ without charge. That I abuse not my power in the gospel. Paul said, I don't want to charge you for preaching. I don't want, I know, I know if I charge you, you will pay. But I don't want to charge you because I don't want to abuse my power in the gospel. Please pay attention. Next verse. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all. Why? That I might gain the more. That I might gain the more. So commitment to the ministry is actually commitment to men. Commitment to the ministry is actually commitment to men. A servant of God is a servant of all. Make myself a servant of all. Why? That I may gain the more. 
The man that is a laborer toils. A laborer is committed to lives. A laborer does not seek position. A laborer seeks labor. Position is given by men. Responsibility is given by God. Position is given by men. Responsibility is given by God. In verse 20 to 22 of First Corinthians 9, we are still x-raying brother Paul's commitment to the gospel. And unto the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. Next verse. To them that are without the law, as without the law. Being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. That I might gain them that are without law. Next verse. To the weak became I as weak. That I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men. That I might by all means save some. By all means. That I might save some. Look at verse 23. And this I do for the gospel's sake. That I might be partaker thereof with you. Understand the language of brother Paul. This I do for the gospel's sake. The laborer is committed to lives. Toiling around lives. It's Cassie Treat, one of the great preachers of the gospel in America. Who said he met Buddy Harrison. Buddy Harrison was uh, um, the brother-in-law, I think, to Ken Hagen or something. If I'm not mistaken. And he said... Um, uh, you know, Buddy Harrison was telling him something about preachers who say, well, I don't know why people are disturbing me. I'm supposed to be resting and people are disturbing me. And then Buddy Harrison said to Casey uh, uh, Trade, what else are we living for? What else are we living for? When we are tired of the work we are living for, we don't have a reason to live. Like a preacher, people can't disturb me. People cannot trouble me. I live for people. I love people. I want to talk to people. I want to spend time listening to people and offering them solutions. I never get tired of people disturbing me. There's no such thing as people disturbing me. The more people I meet, the happier I get. The more people are blessed, the more excited I am. That is my work. That is my work. If you're a preacher... You are a minister of the gospel. An able minister of the New Testament. People must be a delight to you. You must never be at a position where you say they are disturbing me. They are disturbing me. They are calling my phone. They are troubling me. Uh -uh. Then why are you living? What are you living for? You are living for people. Ministry is people. God has put his spirit in our hearts. So we can begin to reason like him. Think like him. Talk like him. If God does not get weary by us, God never gets tired that we're calling him. God never gets tired that we're reaching out to him. God never says, oh, these human beings, they are disturbing me, they are troubling me. He never gets tired. A man that is a laborer and a, that toils around people must also have the same character and attitude and disposition 
like God himself. You are a servant to men in ministry. Every minister is called to serve men. Every minister of the gospel. Every one of you in power city. Called of God. You are called to serve men. In Matthew chapter 9 he said, Pray the Lord of the harvest that he will force out, push out laborers into the harvest. That tells you we can pray to provoke or invoke the call of God upon people's lives. We can pray the call of God to be evoked or provoked in people's lives. Yeah. Especially people that are nonchalant. People that are too busy. People that feel too much. They don't have time. They are full of excuses. When we pray for laborers, that prayer, that prayer will evoke, it will provoke the call of God upon their lives. That's why we pray. So that all those that are born of God, that have grown to maturity, that should be doing ministry, but have relegated ministry to the background, that call will be evoked and provoked. There will be an awakening, a consciousness of that urgency that God is placing upon their lives. That is why we pray for laborers. That is why we pray for laborers. Because that sending forth definitely is a call to walk. So our prayers can provoke. Our prayers can evoke the call of God upon people's lives. Romans chapter 10 verse 14 to 17. Romans chapter 10 verse 14 to 17. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Next verse. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Next verse. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who had believed our report. Next verse. So then, faith by hearing. Hearing by the message of Christ. He is stating the case of the man that has not heard the gospel. How can they believe on whom they have not heard? How can they preach except they be sent? So question, how are they sent when you pray for the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers? That is how they are sent. When you pray for the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest, our prayers will provoke a greater harvest of souls when we pray the right way. So our prayers will provoke the call of God in the lives of men. Laborers are demanded on the field. And those laborers are men. Because the Lord of the harvest sends forth laborers. You know one of the biblical prayer desires is to pray laborers into the harvest. You can pray it legitimately as a petition to the Lord. First John chapter 5 verse 14 and 15. Whatever we ask, whatever we ask. According to his will, he heareth us. And if he hears us, then we know that we have the petition that we desire of him. Yeah, we have it. And in this case, our petition 
is for laborers in his harvest. It's a daily prayer in our prayer project. It's one of the prayer points that consistently is prayed on every day. God will do nothing except we pray. God will do nothing except we pray. It's insulting when people say God will do what he will do even if we are not praying. That's total nonsense. Over the ages we have seen the potentials of a man that can pray. Elias was a man of like passion but he prayed. He prayed earnestly that it may not rain and it did not rain for the space of three and a half years. Then he prayed again. Kabayada. A man of like passion. Then he now concluded the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Kabayada. The amplifier says it maketh tremendous power available that is dynamic in his workings. See, when you begin to pray in the spirit, you rise like an edifice higher and higher. Kabayada. Prayer. Prayer. A man that is not praying will not see the full maximizing of what Christ has provided. Prayer is powerful. That's one of the places where we labor. We have seen it in the lives of many men that God used and that God is using. So, we have provoked, we've seen people pray and provoke God's mercy and God's favor in prayer. We have also seen people pray and provoke judgment. Judgment over a nation. Judgment over a people. You know, God's sovereignty is not erratic. God's sovereignty is not unpredictable. God's sovereignty is not indescribable. It's not an indescribable act. That we can look at the scriptures and we can say this is the will of God. The scripture presents to us the will of God. Not experiences teach us the will of God. The scriptures presents to us the will of God. So we can pray the will of God as revealed in the scriptures. We can pray the will of God as revealed in the scriptures. So the laborer is the man that toils around sinners. The laborer is the man that toils around the sick. The laborer is the man that toils around the uninformed. The laborer is the man that toils around the young and the confused. The laborer is the man that toils around those that are bound by legalism. We are sent to every man. He labored among men. Paul said to the Jew, I became as a Jew. To those with the law, as one with the law. To the weak, I became as one. So you will not make distinction in the work. You must be able to labor among all men. If you are sent for NYSC to you obey, that is your place of labor. You've just been posted to your place of primary assignment. That is your place to raise men. That is your place to labor amongst men. If your job takes you to Kenya, you should be able to labor there. We need men to be sent to French-speaking nations. We need men to be sent to the Portuguese 
speaking nation. We need men to be sent to the Spanish speaking nations. There's a brother here from the Francophone who is on fire preparing and packaging himself to take this gospel to the Francophone nations. The other day, Dr. Gabriel told me, he said, one of his major assignments here is to translate, translate my books into French. He has a master's in French. So he's translating my books into French so that the Francophone nations will not be cut off from this message. Can you imagine if there was no Ibibio Bible, the uneducated Ibibio people, how would they be saved? So the man that sat down to translate the Bible into Ibibio language, can you imagine what a blessing it is to the Ibibio speaking? That is how it is with all the languages on the earth. We must have people that are willing to lay their lives down so that other people can come into this kingdom. Am I talking at all? The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. We need people who have understood the heart of God. We need men of eternal value. Men that have decided by knowledge that this world is not their destination. This world is not their destination. They are just passing through. Therefore, they must do business for the king of kings while passing through. Am I speaking this morning? A man that is called of God is a solution provider. He is enabled by God. Look at the way Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 3. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 3. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in the tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart, verse 4, and such trust have we through Christ to God's word. Next verse. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Somebody say, my sufficiency? Can I hear your voices have disappeared? Is of God. Say it again, my sufficiency is of God. Our enablement is not just the power of God, but our enablement is the God of the power. Kabayada. Our enablement is not just the power of God, but our enablement is the God of the power. He works in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So when we pray for men to be forced out, God's willingness in their hearts is activated. God's willingness in their hearts is teared up to respond to the call of ministry. So the laborer does not labor alone. The laborer labors with the grace of God. First Corinthians 15.10 Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So the man that is a laborer toils among people. His toil, his effort is among people. When he's going to mark his script, his script refers to lives. 
Because the fruit of ministry remains lives. The fruit of ministry is not buildings. The fruit of ministry is not buying jets. Does it mean if you buy jets, you're not doing well? I didn't say that. Someday, by the grace of God, as God prospers this ministry, we'll buy our jets. And we'll fly them around the world preaching. So I have nothing against jets. But the fruit of ministry is not in things. It's in the kind of men that you breed. What kind of men are you breeding? That's the fruit of your ministry. The kind of men that you breed. Men remain the fruit of ministry. And the proper reward of the same is when those men grow up in the service of God. Look at that Matthew 9.38. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he will force out laborers. He uses the word to force out. And there's a reason for it. Why? Because, listen carefully everybody, listen carefully. The nature of the call of God, and you're going to recognize it now. The nature of the call of God appears in a form of force. I didn't say it's a force. It appears in a form of force. It appears like that. It has a characteristic of pushing something. You feel something pushing you. So when we pray like this, we are not praying for people to be convenient. Sometimes in praying for God to send laborers, we are praying inconveniences into their lives. Inconveniences. Oh yes, the call of God will inconvenience you, upset your plan, disorganize your plan and reorganize you. You didn't hear that. Yeah. The call of God is not a call to convenience. It's a call of conviction. It's not a call to convenience. But it's a call of conviction. Are you still here? Yes. The call of God implies an interruption in the regular affairs of men. The call of God implies an interruption in the regular affairs of men. That is an interruption into your regular life. The call of God doesn't come by association because he's my friend and God has called him. Me too, God has called me. No. In fact, many times, the call of God on your life will separate you from friends. Many times. I have lost many friends because of my answering to the call of God. I've lost many. And I do not regret one bit. The call of God changes your kind of friends. It changes your kind of friends. Suddenly the kind of people you are hanging with are no more pleasant. Suddenly they are all out of place. Don't force it. Let it go. Did you hear what I said? The mistake many of you do is that you insist to keep those friends. So since you have insisted to keep them, they also keep you out of the plan of God. Because the plan of God is that since your lives don't align with the plan, they go there where you go. After all, were you born with them? Abraham, your father, I called him alone. 
I called him alone. Even when he took Lot, his nephew, they parted ways. Because the call of God isolates you. It consecrates you. Except you don't want to answer the call. Then you will live in misery in this life and in the life to come. It's as easy as that. I'm teaching good. So it's an interruption of something that is of a weightier importance stepping into your life. What else can we describe this call with? It is something you stumble upon. <laughs> the call of God is something you stumble upon. You're going about your life. You're going about your life very seriously. You are busy pursuing your life goals. You are not a lazy man. You are busy with your businesses. Then suddenly, you stumble on the call of God. It's not something you plan from the day you were born. Any plan of God that you plan is any call of God that you planned is not a call of God. A call of God is a rude interruption in the regular affairs of your life. You already have your plan. You already know what you want to do. You're already going about it. Bam! Then the call of God steps in. That's the way the call comes. I'm teaching good. Yes, that's the way the call comes. The call of God is not something you plan for. The call of God is something you didn't plan for. It's an unplanned call. It is an unplanned call. It's not something you solicit for. Oh God, please call me. Oh God, please call me. That's a jobless man. The call of God will always interfere with what you were planning. Always. I never planned to be a pastor. I've told you that many times. It was not in my dream. Never. My father was a pastor. And unfortunately, his church did not treat him well. So I grew up to see my father maltreated by a church. So I decided I can never be a pastor. Never. For what? What am I looking for? I'm a young man. I'm intelligent. I can do other things with my life. I will do business and make money. And support pastors I believe in. So that they don't have to go through what my father went through. So it's not something I planned for. I went to school. I was already pursuing my life goals. I didn't have a vision. If I had a vision, I would have disobeyed. God didn't speak to me. If he spoke to me in a voice, I would have rebelled. God knew. He knew the way my mind was made up against ministry. So that's why I always tell people, God tricked me into ministry. He didn't say, my son, Abel, come. No. He tricked me. How? He allowed me to start growing on spiritually. And as I was enjoying spiritual growth, I started helping people along the way. Oh, you don't have to struggle. You don't have to struggle. And while I was doing that, I didn't know I have entered ministry. Until today I am here. <laughs> That's the way God brought me into it. God tricked me. If he had shown me a vision, I would have run away. But he knew my mind. So he tricked me into it. And now I'm in it. Nothing else I could have done other than this. <laughs> glory to God. I say glory to God. I say glory to God. It's an unplanned call. The call of God is an interruption into your regular life. The pattern is Elijah, Elijah. Huh? 
Moses, Joshua. Paul, Timothy. Jesus, the twelve. That's the pattern for ministry. Gehazi lost it because he was greedy for filthy liquor. He came into ministry for food. He wanted to eat. He came into ministry for food. So greed took him out. The call of God, again, is an interruption into the affairs of life. Listen carefully. It's not a competition. The call of God is not a competition. Look at Aaron and Miriam. They learned it in a hard way. God said to Aaron, Moses will be a God to you. You didn't hear that. God said to Aaron, Aaron, Moses will be a God to you. Aaron decided to rebel. Some people are in competition. Ministry is not a competition. Ministry is a call. And for that call, it comes with grace. If you are not, if you are not called, it will be obvious. And when there's a call of God on you, it will also be obvious. Oh yes. Oh yes. God gives gifts to men. He gives gifts to men. Let's look at some typical examples of men that God has called over the years in scripture. You know, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, teaching and explanation that will bring persuasion, that will bring correction, that will bring spiritual growth, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto every good work. So we can look at the lives of men in the Old Testament and see how God called them and understand how God calls people. And use it to teach you the call of God. We read some examples. Number one, Abraham. Abraham was a man called by God. Genesis chapter 12. Look at Genesis 11, 29 to 31. Genesis 11, 29 to 31. And Abraham and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai. And the name of Nahor's wife, Milka. The daughter of Haran. The father of Milka. And the father of Iska. Next verse. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. Next verse. And Terah took Abraham his son. And Lot the son of Haran his son's son. And Sarai his daughter-in-law. His son Abraham's wife. And they went forth with them from O of the Chaldees. To go into the land of Canaan. And they, and they came unto Haran and dwelt there. Chapter 12 verse 1. And the days of Terah. Chapter 12 verse 1. To save time. Genesis 12. Now the Lord has said unto Abraham, get thee out of that country. Abraham and his family already had a family business plan. They already had a program for what Abraham and his wife and his nephews were going to do. In the midst of their life, God interrupted. Get thee out of your father's house to a land I will show you. That's how God calls people. He interrupted. You know, Abraham was a man born by a businessman. And their family were given to a lot of commerce. His plan probably was to build more banks, build more industries. That's why he had a lot of slaves. He had a lot. The Bible says he took 315 
trained men in his house to go and recover Lot. So if they trained one, part of it was 315. You can imagine the servants that were in Abraham's house. Why did they have such number of servants? Because they were a business family. Those servants were to be trained in different skills to man his businesses. So Abraham already had a plan for his life carved out. Then the Lord said, get thee out. Get thee out of your father's house. Get thee out of your kindred. To a land I will show you. God stepped in, interrupted his plans, such that he had to change his location. He changed his priorities. He changed his pursuits in life. Because the call of God is an interruption. Look at Exodus, the man Moses. Moses had a different plan. I mean, look at the Genesis. When he was born, he had to be hid in water. Later on, he was found. Then he started killing Egyptians for Jews. Then he ran away. The same Moses now took up a profession. Exodus 3 verse 1. Pay attention. Exodus 3 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro. Look at what Moses was doing. He kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert. And kept to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Next verse. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burnt with fire and the bush was not consumed. Next verse. And Moses said, I will not turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burnt. Next verse. And when the Lord saw that, he turned aside to see. God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Next verse. And he said, draw not nigh either. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place where on that standest is holy ground. Next verse. Moreover, I said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Next verse. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. The man is going about his walk, and God is stating his vision to the man. I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their tax masters. For I know their sorrows. And I'm come down to deliver them out of the land of Egypt. And to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large. Unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hevites and the Jebusites. Now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Next verse. Come now therefore and I will send thee unto Pharaoh. Are you seeing the interruption? That thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Next verse. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Next verse. And he said, Certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God in this mountain. Next verse. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I am come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers have sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. Next verse. Then said, And God said unto Moses, Moreover unto Moses, Thou shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, 
The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever and this is my name And the, the conversation called. Did you observe that if Moses was going about his job, God interrupted. Then Moses started giving God complaint, reasons why he cannot answer. God insisted. See, you don't beg God to call you. You are busy with your life. It is God that will interrupt and redirect your life. Am I talking to somebody here? A man that is begging God to call him is jobless. It means he wants to come to ministry for food. That is his motivation. Where I can go and get quick food to chop. Quick food to chop. I watched one comedy skit the other day. The guy was in a bus and an evangelist in the bus preached. And after preaching, he asked for offering. And people give offerings. So the guy said, wow. So this is easy like this. Just talk, 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 talk. Collect offering. Okay. Me too, I am called. So I went to his house. Got a nice cloth that makes him look like a pastor. Bought a Bible. And came to the bus. To enter bus and preach. So he stopped the bus and entered the bus. And then he started preaching. Nobody was answering him. All of them were frowning. He preached for some minutes. Then he said, bros, is everything okay? <laughs> then one of them took the phone. I said, Baba, we got the sacrifice. The sacrifice is ready and we're bringing it now. <laughs> one man preached. They are giving offering. <laughs> Another man preached and became a, a ritual sacrifice. <laughs> There's a difference between those that God called and those that just went. You didn't hear that. There's a difference between those that God called and those that just went. Brother Shambach said God called some others just went. Abraham, I mean Moses is giving excuses. And then, in fact, Moses even told God that, I'm a stammerer. God, I'm a stammerer, I cannot talk. <laughs> Moses that the Bible tells us. Moses that the Bible says he was eloquent. A man that was mighty in speech. When did he become a stammerer? Well, we don't know what happened those 40 years he was in the wilderness. Only God knows what happened. For a man that was an orator to become a stammerer. We don't know. So Moses was not soliciting for this work. God simply stepped into his affairs. The call of God is not in line with his plan and purpose. Man has his own plan. And God just calls him. What about David? David, the psalmist of Israel. First Samuel chapter 16. God sent the prophet Samuel to go to the house of one Jesse and anoint for him a king. Jesse was not expecting it. Neither was David. He saw Eliab who just came from Bible school and was carried away. He said, behold, the Lord's anointed. God said, no. Man looketh at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Behold, I have rejected this one. All of Jesse's children were brought. All of them were rejected. Some Bible sources confirmed that David was born out of wedlock. That David's mother did not marry David's father properly. Before getting pregnant for David. So he was like an illegitimate child. That is why he was not included in the number of children that Jesse presented for anointing. Because that one is a useless child. 
So then the prophet said, since nobody's been anointed and God sent me, is there any other child? He said, eh, there's one. There's one. So men didn't choose David. Men didn't choose Moses. They rejected him. Men didn't choose Abraham. Nobody chose David. So the call of God does not come by popular demand. That brother, the way he prays, it looks like God has called him. No, that is not how God calls people. It doesn't come by democracy. It doesn't come by democracy. It comes by the call of God. David was the least qualified among other sons. Why are you laughing? What did you hear? I don't know what you heard. You should be hearing what I'm preaching. He was looked upon. Later, this David went to meet Goliath. Do you see the way Eliab disdained David? Because of the way they treated him because this one in mama in mama in mama no marry in papa well that's why david will say i was shaping in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me it's not for all of us so that verse is for david my mother did not conceive me in sin i don't know if you're hearing what i'm teaching you David didn't say we were shaping in iniquity. No, he said I was. Because he knows when he grew up, he knew the story of his conception and how his mother met his father. So he said, okay, so I was shaping. That is, it was out of a sinful act that my parents got pregnant for me. And in sin, my mother conceived me. Bible sources confirm that David's mother was like that. She was like that, you understand? But look at what came out of her. It doesn't matter what kind of family you come from. It doesn't matter who your mother or father was. There's a call of God on your life. Somebody shout, I have a purpose. I have a plan. I am in the will of God. There are no accidents in God. I thought I would hear a powerful amen. The call of God is unsolicited for. It's not a desire for position. Let me close with Jeremiah. What about Jeremiah? Ayada, and you don't want to miss the next service because I want to enter some of this call of God things very seriously. You don't want to miss it at all. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry boy. Then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nation. He wasn't asking for it. He wasn't asking. What about Saul? Saul, the predecessor of David, the king, never asked for it. He was going around looking for his lost sheep. His sheep was lost. That means he was a shepherd. He had his own business. And some of his sheep got lost. So he was going around looking for his lost sheep. Then the prophet met him and called him. He had his own business. Called him and anointed him. So the call of God is not something that is orchestrated by man. Elisha, the same thing. Just follow God's plan. Follow God's leading. When you begin to preach the gospel, try to just follow God. Don't try to scheme 
Just follow God. Except the Lord build a house. They labor in vain that build it. The call of God is a predestined call. Just like salvation. Is predestined. But you know, just like salvation is predestined, yet we have to preach and people have to believe to be saved. So the same thing with the call of God. Even though it is predestined, we have to teach you so that you wake up to the consciousness of this call so you can answer to it. Do you understand what I said? Yes. It's predestined. But we have to teach you. We have to steer it up in you and bring you to an awareness of what God has gone. Listen carefully. The call of God will therefore, the call of God being predestined, God will therefore orchestrate events to bring it to past. Since it is predestined, God will orchestrate events to bring it to pass. And you know one of the events that God has orchestrated to bring his call to pass in your life, he brought you to Power City. And here in Power City, all you are hearing is the call of God, the assignment of God, and the purpose of God. Some of you online, you never planned to listen to Abel Damina. You were just looking for some stuff online, and you stumbled on a short two-minute clip, and you got hung on. From there, you started searching other videos. Now you are in this house. God orchestrates events. Orchestrates events to bring people to a place where they are equipped to answer the call. It is God that does it. You're not here because you like my face. You're not here because you like Power City. Some of you that are in this church didn't even like me at all. You didn't even like me at all. Stop pretending. Some of you didn't like me at all. I know you like me now. Some of you didn't like my voice. You didn't like my audacity. See, the guy is just talking as if he's God. He talks with... Ah, 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 forcefully. Yeah. That's the way my nature is. And the best God has is men that are imperfect. So what do you want to do about it? How now one do it us now? God just call us like that. <laughs> and he will use our voice the way it is. If your voice is hallelujah, that's the way God will be using you. Hallelujah. The word of the Lord is coming now. God will not change your voice. He will use it like that. Because that's the best he has. Am I talking to somebody here? If you're a tall man, when God starts using you, he will use you as a tall person. He will not reduce your height. He uses us the way we are. Am I talking to somebody? Not many noble. Not many wise. Not many strong. But God has chosen us the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Get on your feet. Let me close this service. Glory to God this morning. Somebody get him blessed. Shout glory. Are you blessed this morning? I'm still building. How many of you know I'm still building? You can see I've not arrived. Because in the next service we're going to examine what does it mean to live all and follow? We're going to examine what's the meaning of full-time ministry. We're going to examine all of those details in the second service. Because as we're preparing you for ministry and for the call of God, you must understand all of these concepts in the light of scripture. So that nobody can corner you and be giving you jargons. And you don't know how to answer to it. We're preparing workmen that needs not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Lift your right and say with me, there's a call of God on my life. Say it very loud, there's a call of God on my life. 
I'm not an accident. I'm not a mistake. There are no mistakes about my life. My life was predestined. And the word of the Lord is shaping my life to respond to the plan, the purpose, and the will of God. I choose to obey the will of God. I refuse a life of disobedience. I obey the call. I answer the call. I respond to the call. I am willing. I am obedient. This is the day of God's power in my life. I didn't hear a powerful amen. Father, I pray for everybody in this building, those online, on television, on radio, that revelation knowledge grows big on your inside until nothing else matters. In the name of Jesus, I decree that the call of God becomes very clear. As these words are coming, your people's hearts are being situated. As these words are going forth, your people's hearts are getting ready for the assignment. So I thank you for answers to prayer. I decree that out of this house, men are rising. An army is rising all over the blue marble planet that will demonstrate the glory of God like never before. We give you praise. Thank you for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says that amen on a note of finality. Can we celebrate the call of God upon our lives? Is that a celebration? Amen. Say with me, I am called by God. I cannot be cursed by man. I didn't hear a good amen. Get out your worship and me your honor offerings this morning, wherever you are. Online, there are banking details scrolling for you to give your honor offerings. And those of us in the building, grab yours. In the campuses, grab your own honor offerings. We give our honor offerings to enable us keep this work going around the world. Let me also announce evangelism continues every day. The laborer labors among men. So every day we're going out in the campuses all over the world. Every day we're out in the field evangelizing, evangelizing, evangelizing. It's very critical. Throughout this month, into the month of March, every day is evangelism. And we have prayers going on every morning, 5 to 6. And every Saturday's prayer cruise, 7 to 10 o'clock. And it's all global. Everybody is a part of what God is doing. Can I hear a good amen? amen. Lift your offerings up. Father, we give in faith. We give with joy. Our offerings are a sweet smell before you today. And we rejoice that as we give, the glory is upon this house. And everyone giving, your needs are met according to his riches in glory. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says that amen like thunder. Glory to God. Well, online brethren, we're going to sign you up. But remember, I'm going to continue this particular teaching on the call of God to ministry in the second service. It's, it's a season you don't want to miss out what God is doing in this house. And I want you to know we love you. Always a joy to serve you the grace of God. Remember, every evening, our evening services are no more on at 6 o'clock because everybody is out from 6 o'clock preaching. So the teaching of God's word in the evenings on Facebook and YouTube and Kingdom Life Network is shifted to 9 p.m. When you are back from evangelism, you can have an hour of teaching every day. That's the way we function. So you don't want to miss out on the 9 p.m. broadcast. We love you guys. Looking forward to seeing you at 11 a.m. GMT plus one. And until then, enjoy the grace of God. Let's celebrate viewers around the world for being a part of this service this morning. Glory! 
Amen. We trust that you have been blessed by this message. To order the complete series of this message and all the messages by Dr. Abel Daminer, please call plus 234-806-800-9939 or email powercityoffice at gmail.com. 